Amen. Let's, let's thank the Lord for our worship team here. Thank you so much, guys. What a blessing it is. How are you guys doing today? Well, welcome, welcome. My name is Marcus. I've had a chance to meet most of you. If I haven't had a chance to meet you, I'd love to say hello to you uh, later on after the service. Well, I'm excited today. I'm excited for a lot of reasons today. First and foremost, I love sharing God's Word. So I'm excited to share God's Word today. Um, I'm excited for a lot of reasons, too, because uh, I love summer, right? And summer's a little bit different for, I guess, parents than kids. Um, when you're a kid, summertime is, is awesome because it's summertime, right? And the end of summertime for parents is a little bit nicer because school comes back, right? And the kids don't want to go to school, and parents are like, thank the Lord, school is back, right? I got some time. I got, I got an opportunity to, uh, to be a little bit normal. But I'm really excited because this year, for the end of summer, my family and I, we are going to Maui. Yeah, just let that sink in for a little bit there, yeah. We're going to Maui. So Wednesday, we're all going to be on a plane headed to Maui, which, which I, if you haven't been to Maui, too bad. Maui is awesome. My family, uh, my wife has some family there, and, and I'm really, really excited about that. And um, I... I have a little daredevil in me, right? I have a little daredevil in me, and today we're going to be talking about uh, the message is awake, right? Responding to God's call. Everybody say awake. awake. Everybody say awake. awake. I want to make sure you're awake, and today we're going to be talking about responding to God's call in your life, and we're going to be taking a look from Joseph to Jesus. We know we had a great, great series that Pastor Tim led us through, The Dreamer, an amazing, amazing series. I love it and talked about the visions and the dreams that Joseph had and how he listened to those dreams and, and, and how basically the birth of God's people got started. And today we're going to be taking a look at, at, at Joseph's life in connection to how we got from Joseph to Jesus. But here's the deal. Everybody had to respond when they heard God's call. Can I hear amen? Because one thing is to get a vision. One thing is to hear God's voice. One thing is to get this passion. And another thing is to do something about it. If you're like me, anything like me, I've invented some of the greatest things in the world in my mind. I'm like worth $2.5 billion in my mind right now if all my inventions came true. Here's the problem. Guess how many have actually invented? Zero. Right? Because I get this idea, I get this thought, hey, and this is going to happen, and wouldn't we be great if we had this? And then 5, 10, 15 years later it happens. Like, and then I try to take credit for it in my family. Son, you remember when I told you when you were five years old that there was going to be, right? Yeah, but guess what? Nothing happened from it. Nothing happened. But So today we're going to be talking about awake, responding to God's call. And I want to try to convince you today to respond to God's call. I'm going to try to convince you today to say yes to God's call. I'm going to try to convince you today to say yes to God's plan and let you understand that there's plans for you and that yes to God's plan, Louis, means life. 
and that yes to the enemy's plan means death. And I'm going to try to lay out a plan, lay out an, a, a, a well-thought-out, logical step-by-step for us to embrace God's plan. But that has to start with a yes. Like I said, one of the reasons I'm really excited to go to Maui is because I have a little daredevil in me, and I love cliff jumping. I love cliff jumping. Yeah, I heard that. I had that. Whoa. And um, I'm 40, I'm about to turn 49 in a couple days. When's, when's my birthday, baby? Tuesday, Tuesday. So it's not, thank you, it's not too late, it's not too late to get me a nice present, guys. If you're wondering, my size is Ruth's Chris. That's my size. Always, always works, always works. So my, my daredevil uh, days are a little bit different than when I was uh, younger, and, but I'm excited. I already have my little spots. I'm going to jump off in Maui, right? I really can't wait to do that. But, but let me take you... Um, to, to a spot, not quite there yet. But let me tell you a little story. Um, it was the summer of 1991, right? It was in Santa Barbara, California. My dad taught military science at UCSB, and so my last two years of high school were there. And so the summer of 1991, Adrian, I'm at San Diego State. I'm a sophomore going into my sophomore year at San Diego State. And I'd always go back to Santa Barbara because it was Santa Barbara, right? So summertime, we go back to Santa Barbara and hang out. And I remember this one time I go up there and we go to this place called Red Rock. Red Rock is in kind of the foothills, is in the mountains of Santa Barbara, maybe 25 miles east Within Santa Barbara, when you drive up the coast and you see those mountains, it's kind of tucked up behind those mountains. And I remember I went to Red Rock, and, and, and I saw one of the most amazing things I've ever seen in my life. You go for a little hike, right? And about 10 minutes into that hike, you see this, this pool, uh, this natural pool in the middle of nowhere. And then you see these rock formations. This, and they have these rocks where, like, this rock's jutting out of the pool of the, of the water, Right? And it's maybe 15 feet. And then it's got uh, uh, some space there. And then it's got this, this, this mountainside where you can climb up maybe up to 15, 20, and 30 feet to jump off of. And then it's got a little hike behind it where you can hike up to where it's about 95, 100 feet, depending on the depth of the water. And I remember seeing somebody go up there and then take a jump. It was one of the most exciting things in my life. A hundred foot cliff jump, cliff dive into the water. And I remember I was watching that and I heard a voice. I heard a voice right above me and it said, Marcus, do the jump. I looked up, it was my friend Chris, not God. (laughs) I'm like, you do the jump, Chris. You do the jump. And so I go home, and all that night, I'm thinking, man, I got to go back and do that jump. I just got to do that jump. So I called him, Chris, tomorrow morning, early, we're going and we're doing that jump. So I remember, guys, climbing up the the mountainside uh, and then looking over. You guys know that feeling you get, right, when you're kind of, and heights, and you kind of look, and all these butterflies, and I'm like, oh my gosh. And I'm looking over, and the wind's blowing. I'm like, oh, this is crazy. 
This is, and I'm looking like there's no way I'm doing this jump. You got to be crazy out of your mind. But that other, I don't know if you guys used to watch the Flintstones when you were kids, right? The devil on one side and the angel on the other, right? And then one side says, no, Marcus, don't do it, right? You might die. And then aside the pitchfork, Marcus says, do it. Do it right now. And I'm like looking over. And then I decided I better not do it. Too curly. And then some people recognize me down there. Hey, it's Marcus. He's going to jump. I'm like, oh, no. And there's like 15, 20 people now cheering. Come on, Marcus. I'm like, oh, Lord, what am I going to do? And I remember mustering up all the energy I had, all the, all the guts I had in me, and I just took a leap and jumped out and flying through the middle of the air from 95 feet, and I hit that water. Boom! I remember sinking, like seeing the sunlight above the water and trying to swim. I couldn't swim. Because I'd landed on my side. And I, you, listen, water is not soft. Water is very, very hard at, when you jump from 100 feet. And I remember swimming to the top kind of like a, and just trying to get my lips slightly above the water for about five seconds and submerging and for about 20 feet till I got to the side. Well, um, I got a video of the place that I jumped off of. Now, this isn't me, but this is the exact jump I took off of in 1991. Let's take a look at that. Look at the little piece up there. Yeah. I like this guy to the right there. Let's go to the next one. Let's, let's leave that right there. You need to reevaluate your decisions in life when that's you. <laughs> Like something is wrong in your life if that guy's you. The guy to the right, that should be you. But here's the point. You got to say yes in life. Now, I responded to the call, the wrong call. I responded to that voice from above, Chris. But there's a voice from above that's not Chris in our lives. There's a voice from above that's God that's speaking to you. It's speaking you through, through vision. He's speaking to you uh, through, through friends. He's speaking to you through circumstances. He's speaking to you through passions. But most importantly, he's speaking to you through his word. Can I hear amen? amen. And regardless of the visions and dreams and the voices that we hear, if we don't say yes, we miss out. And if we don't respond to God's call by simply saying yes, we miss out. Let's go to this timeline here real quick. I, I like this. And let's give it up for DJ for making this infographic here. DJ, thanks a lot, brother. So, so from Joseph to Jesus, I like seeing things kind of in a linear fashion and so we created this to kind of give us an idea of Joseph to Jesus. We see here Israel to slavery, about 1885 B.C. So where, where Pastor Tim left off, I want you guys to follow me right here. 
where Pastor Tim left off and Joseph and the dreamer was essentially the birth of God's people. You guys following me? Because it was Abraham, right, then to Isaac, then to Jacob. Jacob's name was changed to Israel. You guys with me? Israel had 12 sons who then became, of course, the 12 tribes of Israel. That was the birth of God's people. So how did we get from the birth of God's people to Jesus? Well, we see here Israel around 1885 B.C. was subjected to slavery. About 400 years later, we've got Moses. So Joseph and his family find this this land that's given to them, and they begin to be blessed. They begin to multiply. They begin to be great business people. They begin to really, really have God's hands on them, and then they begin to grow and grow and be successful and be successful and to grow. Here's the problem. Egypt was not happy with that. Egypt was not happy 400 years later, right? The new leader of Egypt, the new king of Egypt, right? Is like, I don't know who Joseph is. I don't remember Joseph. Joseph don't mean nothing to me. It's 400 years later. Now they've been, right, in this land as foreigners, as slaves, and now comes Moses. Everybody say Moses. So if you read the beginning of the book of Exodus, you will start to hear this story. So, so right here we've got Moses around 400 years later. Then we've got the promised land. They enter into the promised land as Moses takes them out into the promised land. Of course, can't get there, gets there through Joshua. Then we see judges. So at this time, the people of God now have gone from Egypt to slavery to now going through the desert 40 days and 40 nights. No, right? Going through the desert for 40 years, right? A trip that should have taken less than 40 days and 40 nights. So 40 years there in the desert, and finally they enter into the promised land. At this point, they're ruled by judges, and those judges also have prophets attached to them. Are you guys following me? Just kind of want us to get, understand a little bit more of that time. Well, through prophets and judges, they're ruled. During this time, right, and that's around 1390 B.C., David and Goliath is now during this time, and David as a young man is anointed king. Of course, we know this story. At this point, there's a first king for the people of Israel, they were ruled by judges, and they were ruled by prophets. But they were like, yo, everybody's got a king. Everybody's got a king. We need a king. And God was like, y'all don't really need a king because I'm your king. But if you're going to trip and bother and complain, I'll give you your king. So then they get a king who is King Saul around 1043 B.C. Then the second king was David, and of course we know of David. Through David comes Solomon. Interesting thing about Solomon, guys, who we know was the wisest man that ever lived. Here's something very interesting about Solomon. King David at this point right here 
was a great man of God, a, God after, a man after God's own heart. Here's the interesting thing. This man after God's own heart, guess what? He had some chinks in his armor. He had some chinks in his armor. And, and, and even though he was a man after God's own heart, he went through this, the, the, this phase Right, where there was adultery and murder, which he was responsible for. Like, you don't think about that when you think about a man after God's own heart, right? But this is how awesome God is that David repented and David was forgiven. And sure, he had to suffer the results and the consequences of those decisions, but God said David was a man after God's own heart. So let me put a pause in there right now. If you find yourself here today and you're like, you know what, I've got some chinks in my armor. I've got some flaws. I've got some significant issues with my background. I'm very imperfect. I want to share with you this. Join the club. Join the club. You won't find one perfect person that God used besides his son Jesus. Everybody else is jacked up and flawed. So if you fall into the jacked up and flawed category, you're in a good spot. The difference is, that God can take those flaws, can take all that pain, right, can take all those mistakes, and if you repent and you give them to him, as far as the east is from the west, he will remove us from our transgressions. Can I hear an amen? And that's a wonderful thing. And David's a great example because his son Solomon is the son also of Bathsheba. Bathsheba, of course, is the woman that Dave saw ba- David saw bathing and that responded to an adulterous fashion. They had a first child. The child died. Their next child, through that relationship, through David and Bathsheba, when he got married, was Solomon. So that brings us up to Solomon, right? And Solomon now is a wise, wise king. Through Solomon, the temple was built. Right? Through Solomon, he had this great negotiation skills, and he was very, very politically savvy. Speaking of chinks in the armor, speaking of uh, flaws, uh, Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. Concubine equals honey. 300 honeys on the side. 700 wives. I'll let you fill in the blanks, guys, right? So through those relationships, he put Israel in a very politically powerful place, but they started drifting away from God, drifting away from God. So now God's people, Israel, are prominent. They've got power. They've got riches. They've got this temple. Things are going well, but Solomon slowly and slowly drifts away from God, even though he's the wisest man that ever lived. That brings us now to a division in Israel in 925 B.C. So Solomon now has his kids. And now Israel, who was once God's people, who was once the 12 tribes, led by judges, led by, by prophets, now have these series of kings being led. And these kings are flawed, flawed, and flawed. And we get to Solomon. And now after Solomon, the people of Israel, God's people, are divided. What I love about this, this isn't only biblical history. Like, all this stuff is world history, right? This is all world history that I love. So now God's people are divided into the north and to the south, and we basically have Judah and we have Israel. You guys following me? 
right? So through it, now the kingdom of God is split. Now you see that yellow timeline up there, 10 tribes of Israel, and we see the blue timeline there at the bottom, the two tribes of Judah. So what happens now after they split? Well, now a series of these prophets emerge, both major prophets and minor prophets. And all the prophets are doing pretty much the same thing. Right? And when we think of prophets, right, we think of prophets telling people what the future is. That was one component of what they did. But really what they did kind of on a daily basis was tell the people where they were in conjunction and, and to God's word. Are you guys with me? Like, hey, this is what God is saying. God would speak to the prophets, and the prophets would speak to the people. Hey, God, uh, guys, this is what God is saying. And it was a broken record, which is the same record we should be hearing today. Hey, follow God's life. Hey, follow the devil, death. Follow God, guys. Follow God, follow God. Simple. Follow the devil. So this was the prophets. That's what they were saying. Hey, guys, you guys aren't listening to God's word. Death is coming, but, but something great is coming. In the midst of all this craziness, guys, we have something that we're waiting for. So this is what the prophets were doing. As they were telling the people the condition and the state of the people, they were also painting a picture of hope for things to come. Are you guys following me? And those things to come, that thing to come, that hope that they were waiting for was Jesus Christ. So they're pointing pictures to Jesus, pointing pictures to Jesus, giving hope to Jesus. You know, when you know there's something great around the corner, doesn't it make everything much better? For example, Hawaii. (laughs) I don't care how bad this message is afterwards, and you tell me that's the worst message I've ever heard, Pastor Marcus, I'm going to go, Hawaii. I run out of gas on the way home, Louis. Right, I'm going to call AAA, and I want to wait for a little bit till AAA comes. And he's going to ask me, yo, how you doing? I'm going to go, Hawaii. <laughs> Everything's better because Hawaii is around the corner, guys. Well, these prophets were trying to tell people, hey, guys, the Messiah's coming. The Messiah's coming. Right? And, and us, guys, I'll tell you the same thing. Hey, guys, the Messiah's coming. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming, right? And as Christians, that should just make us elated, knowing that God is sending his son once again for his people. As nonbelievers, that should make you a little nervous, perhaps, to be prepared, because Jesus is coming. So that's what they're telling them. That's what they're telling them now. And then now we've got a a series of these prophets, and it's a split. So right here when the split happens, guys, the yellow line and the blue line, it's about another 400 years or so. You guys following me? Of basically mostly bad kings. Slipped in there now and then a couple of great leaders. Mostly bad kings for the tribes of Israel, and mostly bad kings for the tribes of Judah. So that goes on and on and through it, each prophet would come, hey guys, you better repent, you better repent, you know, all this stuff. Oh, they'd repent, etc., etc. That just happened to cycle over and over and over again. Now, 
That brings us to Judah being conquered in 586. Before that, Israel being conquered in uh, 721 B.C. So we have, right, we have Assyria conquering. Um, we have Assyria conquering uh, Judah, and we've got Babylon conquering Israel. So that's where the split, and now this is where you hear about God's people being taken away as captives, as captives. All right, so Israel's conquered. Judah's conquered. Isaiah rebuilds the temple in 538. Through that time, through they've been conquered, now the temple, which represented God's presence, now gets destroyed. There's this plan to come back. It gets rebuilt in 586. Isaiah builds the temple in 538, I'm sorry, and then the temple's completed in 425. We're getting close now, guys. Are you guys following me? Once again, all this time, the prophets are saying, hey, something better's coming. The Messiah's coming. So that brings us to about 400 years before Jesus' birth, and something interesting happens. Silence for 400 years. No voice of God, silence. No leader, silence. No prophets, silence. Four hundred years happens. Then, finally, Jesus is born. And that's why it was so hard for them to understand that Jesus was this Messiah. You guys following me? Because it's like, yeah, it's been about 400 years, and yeah, we just really haven't heard from God. But in order for Jesus to be born, there was all these steps that needed to happen. And along the way, all these people, all these prophets, all these amazing events, behind it was somebody that said yes. Behind it was somebody that said yes. And so I want to encourage you today that when Jesus speaks to you, when God speaks to you, that you would say this. Yes. So now with all these people, let's rewind back to Moses, and we're going to now zoom in on Moses' life to get an example of responding to God's call. So if you can open up your Bibles to Exodus chapter 3. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 and really get our points from this story. So if we can go to Exodus chapter 3, I'm going to read here some verses. says this, now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in the flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight why the bush does not burn. 
When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses, and Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place for where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the Lord of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. So now, God speaks to Moses. There's a burning bush. He hears his voice, but Moses responded to God when he heard Moses, Moses. What did Moses say to the voice of God? He said, here I what? Here I what? Here I am. We're going to take a look at three, three simple points as through Moses' life, through responding to the call of God. Let's go to the next verse right here. When the Lord said, saw that he had gone over to look god called to him from within the bush moses moses and moses said here i am first point of the day about responding to god's call responding to god's call is a choice everybody say choice responding to god's call is a what let me hear it again responding to god's call is a what at this point when he heard god's voice through the burning bush he had some options. Option one, run away. Option two, freak out. I mean, we hear these stories like, how are you going to respond to a burning bush? I don't know how I would respond. But he heard God's voice and he said, here I am. It is a choice. Today, you guys, every one of us has a choice. Are we going to respond to God's call? Are we going to live for Christ or are we not? And I would encourage you to enjoy the power of yes. Enjoy the power of when God speaks to you, you would say, here I am. This is what Moses did. And I love how this is followed up with, with Joshua, who's the guy that Moses gives the leadership to after him. Let's take a look at this, this next verse. And I love this verse, one of my favorite verses. It says this, Now feel the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods and your ancestors, word that your gods ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of the ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. Oh, I love this, guys. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You know what? This is the verse. Who are you going to serve? Are you going to serve the gods of, of, of the world? Money, sex, power, fame, ego, pride, hubris, avarice. Or are you going to serve the Lord? And I encourage you to make this vow. You know what? I don't know who you're, who you're going to serve, and I don't know who you're going to choose, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. 
It's a choice. It's a choice. So, so responding to God's call is a choice. And let me reiterate through this message. Well, how are you going to hear God's call? Uh, Marcus, I, I, I haven't been in a burning bush. I haven't audibly heard God's voice. Look, some of you guys may have audibly heard God's voice in your life at some time. Well, sometimes he, he works through, through, the, through aptitude and passion, like something that's burning inside of you. And sometimes he works through, through, through just opportunity, right, where it's very clear you have this great opportunity that God has uniquely designed you for to execute. You know, sometimes it's through wisdom, through your friends, discernment. But here's the kicker. Here's one guaranteed way to hear God's voice. If you're like, I don't know about hearing it and not quite sure about the passion. Here's one guaranteed way, guys, that all of you guys and all of us can hear God's voice. The Bible. The Bible. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God. That's God. You want to hear God's voice, people? Read your Bible. You want to see what God's plans have for you supernaturally? Read the Bible. So he heard God's voice, and it was a choice, and he decided to respond, and he decided to, you know what, say yes to God's voice. The most important thing that we can do is say yes to Jesus. I love this quote by Brother Andrew, who was a, was a great, great missionary earlier in our time. Very simple, guys. God does not choose people because of their ability, but because of their, what does it say? Who can be available for God? Can you? Can I? Can you vintage as a church? You know what? Moses was not chosen because of his availability. I mean, because of his ability. Moses was chosen because of his availability. He wasn't chosen because of his great skills. As a matter of fact, he was chosen in spite of his great skills. Let's go to the next. Exodus 3.11 says this, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? So the story continues. He starts to have this argument with God. Hey, and God tells him, this is what I want you to do. Go through my people. And, 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 and Moses starts going down this list of reasons why he can't do it. You've ever been there? Oh, yeah. You ever been there? We're like, man, yes, God, I know, but. God, I, yeah, but. Moses was there. What is it that God is asking you to do, Perhaps. What are some things that you know God, a direction God wants you to go? And, and what, is those, what are those negotiation or that argument or those doubts that you have in your life? Uh, listen, I've been a pastor for, for a couple decades. I grew up a pastor's kid. I, all I know is church and Jesus. That's, that's, that's all I know. And I'll tell you what, I can't tell you how often I'm like, really, God? I can't, Lord. Because it, it's constant. Because... Our next point here is responding to God's call not only is a choice, but responding to, responding to God's call is also 
a challenge. Can I hear you, man? It's a challenge. Just like Moses had these reasons why it was going to be difficult for him to move forward, we have them too. But God overcame all those reasons because as Moses was saying this and that, God was saying, but I will be with you. I will be with you. And how encouraging is that when you know that God is on your side? So if God asks you to do something or he challenges you or you want to respond to God's word, remember it is a challenge. It is difficult, but remember that God is with you. Remember this too, guys, that things of great value, very simply, things of great value also have a great cost. What do you have in your life that's great value? There's a great cost associated with it. Great cost associated with it. And I would hope that when you think of things that are great value in your life, you would think of your relationship with God. First and foremost, great value. Well, don't think it doesn't come at a cost. But that cost is worth it. Can I hear amen? amen. That cost is so worth it, you guys. So as Moses wrestled with that, and Moses uh, uh, dealt with the challenges and the, and the frustrations and the doubts, God told him consistently that he was going to be with him. I like this verse in Luke 9 that really, really kind of ties home the, the, the cost of serving Christ. Then he said to them, this is Jesus, Oh, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take their cross daily and follow me. This is Jesus saying, you guys want to follow me? You guys like these miracles you're seeing? Oh, you guys liked the walking on the water, didn't you? That was cool, huh? Oh, yeah, you like when I spit in the dirt in the blood? Yeah, you guys like that? Yeah, the bread? Yeah. Guess what? There's a cost. And the cost is daily you pick up your cross. And the cross was not a symbol of style back then to match your outfit with. The cross was not an accessory. The cross was a symbol of death. So Jesus said, oh, you guys want to follow me? That's cool, that's cool. Each day, pick up your death. And walk with me. Still the same today. We want to be followers of Jesus. Oh, we like the benefits, for sure I like the benefits. Can I hear amen? I, I like 22 years of marriage to my wife. I like that I've matured as I've grown biblically. I like my four kids. I mostly love them, but I really, really like them. <laughs> Especially at the age when they can start doing my chores. That's when I love them the most. This is how it works in my house. Tracy. Marcus, can you take out the trash? Marcus. Yes, honey. Marcus. Marco! Anything else, baby? I, I love the benefits of, of the fruits of the Spirit. I, I love the eternal life that I have waiting for me. I love the fact that, that I'm 49, and you know what? My knee hurts, my back hurts, my hip hurts, my shoulders hurt, right? My torn muscles hurt. And I love the fact that pretty soon I'll be in heaven with a glorified body chilling. I love that. Comes at a cost. 
comes at a cost for me to daily die to my flesh and commit the same yes to God on a daily basis. So we know that, that responding to God's voice, to his call, first is a choice. Next, that we know it's a challenge. Let's take a look at this next verse as we wrap things up. It says here, And I have promised to bring you out of the misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Parasites, Hivites, Jebusites, and the land flowing with milk and honey. Exodus 3, 17. I love this. Milk and honey. So if there's a land with milk, then there's a land with cows. If there's a land with cows, there's a land with grass. If there's a land with grass, there's a land that rains. Are you guys following me? And honey, that speaks for itself. There's this land that's waiting for them. And it was going to be a big, big difference from where they currently were. Last point here. Responding to God's call is a change. Everybody say change. So just pop quiz, pop quiz. Right? I like to make my messages simple because I'm not that smart. Right? Super simple. Number one, responding to God's call, call is what? Is a what? Great. Responding to God's call is what? Number two? Great. This one's kind of easy. <laughs> Responding to God's call is what? It's a change. It's a change. They were going to go from this land, from, the, from, this, from this desert, right, from this spot where, where there weren't many resources to a land promised by God flowing with milk and honey. And when you make a decision to respond to God's call to live for Jesus, there should be a change in your life. I should look different now than what I did before I followed Christ. I should speak different now than I did before I followed Christ. I should go to different places now than what I did before I followed Christ. I should treat people different now than what I did before I followed Christ. Can I hear an amen? Should be a change. Should be a change. This is a simple illustration of, uh, of a change. Be for Jesus, after Jesus. A change. And those changes are good. And those changes are for your benefit. And those changes are for your family's benefit. Because God has great, great plans for us. But if your life and your mouth and your everything is the same as it was before Christ, if you're thinking the same, speaking the same, behaving the same, I would encourage you to reevaluate really your decision for Christ because it comes at a cost. Can I hear amen? But this change, oh my gosh, it's beautiful. Beautiful as I grow and I develop my, uh, my, my spiritual gifts and, and I also develop my, my fruits of the Spirit. Everyone benefits from those changes. So sometimes it, it may feel a, a little awkward, right, as we're changing, but, but hopefully we're becoming more and more like Jesus. So as we wrap up, I want to share this real quick. Between Moses and Jesus, as Moses was following God, are, are you guys with me? 
hearing God's voice. Watch these interesting things between Moses and Jesus. When Moses was born, there was a mass killing from Egypt of all the kids, males, two years and younger. When Jesus was born, King Herod did the same decree. Moses was a Hebrew Levite. Jesus was a Hebrew Levite. Moses came and saved the people from slavery. Can I hear amen? Well, Jesus came and saved the people from slavery and the bondage of sin. Both were royalties and slaves essentially at the same time. Moses being royalty, right, from the, from, the, from the house of the king of Egypt, but also being a slave because he was a Hebrew. Jesus being royalty for being the son of God, but also being a slave as a human, a slave to this. Are you guys following me? Next we have, they had dominion over water. As Moses parted the Red Sea and as Jesus walked on water, Moses chose 12 spies before they'd enter in to check out the promised land. Jesus chose 12 disciples as he took us right before the promised land into heaven, but not quite entered there. God's covenant was given to Moses. God's covenant was fulfilled in Jesus. Moses held up a pole with a snake on it so people would be healed and we look to Jesus on a pole when we need spiritual healing. Moses instituted the Passover. Jesus was the Passover. Moses married a non-Jew. Jesus, the bridegroom, marries the church that is mixed, just like Moses' bride. Moses led God's people to the promised land, but not quite into it. Jesus led us into the gates of heaven and how we access heaven, but not quite into it. So as Moses is just saying yes, 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 you guys follow me? Moses didn't know that he was showing them Jesus. Here's my encouragement to you. As you're saying yes, 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 yes. Let's go to the next slide. You, next one. We may be the only Jesus that our world sees. You may think this just in your little microcosm, right, and your little community and, and, and your work that, that as you're saying yes, like, oh, okay, I'm just being faithful. Yeah, yeah, sure, it looks like that. But you may be the only Jesus that your world sees. Think about it. And as you're doing that, what an impact you can have. And when, we're, and when we're doing that, it may seem awkward, guys, right? Like saying yes to God and why am I doing this and this is odd. And, 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 but one thing leads to another, guys. One thing leads to another as, as you're faithful to God. Uh, here's kind of an awkward illustration, but let's take a look at this here. <laughs> yeah. We're doing this next week, by the way, guys. <laughs> bring your friends. Bring your friends. I like the faces. Look at the faces. Bloop, 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 bloop. Yeah, I like the dance party music. Certainly is great. There we go. Yeah, just there. Just keep falling. Yeah, just, yep, yep, yep. And then you two, and get some. All right. That person, like, thank God it stopped. But your little yes to God affects other people. And it feels weird. 
and awkward sometimes and uncertain. And it may feel like this, but ultimately, it's more something like this. That's way different. That's us. As we head into communion, I just want to encourage us on a couple things. How are you responding to God's call in your life? What are your yeses? If you didn't get your communion, you can slip up your hand and we can pass them out to you. And I want to tie it together with, with, with my buddy Andrew. Andrew, can you stand up real quick? I know you're shy, but I really don't care. Stand up, Andrew. Uh, Andrew recently has committed his life to the Lord and been baptized. Let's thank the Lord for that opportunity. There were so many dominoes in Andrew's life, starting off with his beautiful wife next to him, who committed her life to the Lord, became baptized, and, and for a long time, Andrew wasn't coming to church, and just kind of dropping her off. Right? And Andrew, you didn't know that we were praying for you, and we were talking behind your back. Like, we got to get Andrew to church, man. Yo, we got to get, right? And month after month, Andrew wouldn't come to church. And eventually we had an event, right, where we got the guys together up at the rooftop and watching baseball. And Andrew came. That was great. And, and, and guess what? Mark Wolf, Mark Wolf saw Andrew. Stand up, Mark. This is our drummer, the lovely, talented Mark Wolf, ladies and gentlemen. Mark befriended Andrew amongst other people and spent time with them. And then Mark invited him to church. And, and, and then Andrew came to church. And as Andrew came to church, other people that saw him that evening said hello, checked him out, right, hang out, right, whatever, great. And Andrew came to church again. And during that time, hearing the messages as Pastor Tim's preaching, are you guys following me? Domino, 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 domino. He's hearing God's word. He's being challenged and he's wrestling. And then Andrew calls me, hey, can we talk? And we sit down, we talk, and we talk about Christ. We talk about what it is to make a decision for Christ. Domino. Then we have a baptism. DJ connects with them. Others connect with them. And he makes the decision, you know what? I'm going to give my life to Christ. And I'm going to get baptized. Baptism comes. Andrew comes, gets baptized. And now Andrew, right, has given his life to the Lord. He's given his life to the Lord. Domino, 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 domino. What are you doing with your domino? has an effect on everybody and you too. Lord, I just thank you so much for this time, Lord. I thank you for this chance to just hear your word, Lord Jesus, and see how we can respond to your call, Lord. That is a choice, Lord. It is a challenge, Lord, and it's a change, Lord. And as we take this time to remember what you've done for us, Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord, and evaluate, Lord, and our lives before we take this, and Lord, and make sure that we're in a spot, Lord, to say yes to you, Lord. So as we take the bread and we take the cup, Lord, we thank you for your sacrifices that you've made to push us in a spot to respond to your call. In Jesus' name we pray.